Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Still recovering from my bad beat earlier in the week of Georgia minus four and a half. But we are still rolling out the picks, hopefully rolling out the winners as well at Undercover Greg. Again, where you can find me joined as always here on Full Slate by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers is how you can find him on Twitter. You know him as Showtime on Gambling Twitter. And Matt always giving us the time out of his Thursday to join me and talk a little bit about the upcoming slate in the National Football League, Week 12 in the NFL, Week 13 in college football. Matt, always good to have you aboard again. How are we doing? Greg, what's going on, man? Nothing to complain about here. I don't know about you, but I've started this week out strong, and I'm knocking on wood as I speak. I hope to continue the strong finish right into the weekend And what better way to do it than some great matchups, right? Really, really, as we spoke about last week, getting into some crucial matchups to decide the college football playoffs. And we are in week 12 of the NFL, Greg. So, you know, games are starting to matter, not just for division and playoffs, but for seeding in the division as well. And as we saw even last week with that Ravens at Texans game, could end up being um, a seeding tiebreaker there. And, and going forward, we just have matchups this week of a lot of a lot of playoff teams. I mean, Packers, Niners, we got, uh, you know, the Rams are trying to come back and remake the playoffs after their amazing season last year. Cowboys, Patriots, Eagles, Seahawks. We got, we got a lot of good ones this week. I'm real excited. Yeah, and I'll go the other way. Uh, not as exciting, but the race for the number one overall pick is heating up as well because you have the Bengals, Redskins, and Dolphins, and Giants all at the bottom. And it's, uh, you know, if the Bengals snag a win somewhere along the way, uh, it could be a pretty interesting race to the bottom for, you know, Chase Young or whatever, Joe Burrow, whoever it may be. It's a pretty murky picture right now as far as the 2020 NFL draft order is concerned. So there is that 
as well. But let's keep things going and start on the hardwood where, uh, again, as I mentioned, we record on Thursday afternoons, early evening. uh, So it's hard to really project the rest of the weekend as far as NBA and college basketball lines. And there's only two hockey games, I think, on Thursday, on Friday night. So there's not a whole lot to look at as far as the ice is concerned. So we're just going to look at a few spots that we're looking at in the National Basketball Association on Friday night. Matt, you start anything on this Friday, November the 22nd, that you're really looking at on this NBA card that catches your eye? Uh, Yeah, Greg, there's a few spots. So, you know, like I spoke about earlier in the week, I have... You know, it's not the easiest to do because big favorites lose all the time. But I found success putting together parlays with two or three big favorites, getting the odds close. As long as it's under, you know, in my mind around the minus 150 range is kind of the highest. I would like to play a a two or three team NBA parlay. But nonetheless, sometimes you can stick three or four teams in there and get around close to even odds. Some may tell you that's not a, a winning recipe for success. I would argue otherwise. I think one parlay a day keeps the bookie away and I'm looking at a few spots here right I think the Sixers could be good in a parlay coming off a close win you know I think they write the ship Brett Brown's old team San Antonio Spurs could there be a more struggling team in the NBA than the Spurs there could be but I'll tell you there is not San Antonio and Portland have to be two of the most if not the most disappointing teams in the league so far now Portland you could give them a slight pass because Lillard's been hurt yeah well, Lillard only missed one or two games so far, so it's not Lillard's fault, but the Zach Collins injury hurts the Blazers more than the average person would think. You know, if you really dig into how the Blazers play and how they utilize him, he is a nice piece. And frankly, don't forget, they remade their whole schedule. Mo Harkless is not there anymore. He is now in L.A. Evan Turner is not there anymore. I believe Evan Turner is in Atlanta, correct? They add Hassan Whiteside. We know uh, he's been playing solid, but we know he's... I had his surgos in the past. So this Blazers team isn't exactly the same team that we saw beat the Nuggets on the road in a game seven and move on to the Western Conference Finals last year. This is just not the same Blazers team, frankly. So it's really not that much of a surprise that they aren't doing so well. But to see the Blazers, you know, as an organization, if that makes sense, not doing this well is surprising. But this actual roster is not surprising because – this roster was not the roster that they had last year when they, they had a great year. If, if, you, if you know what I'm saying by that. Sure, sure. But go anyway, ahead. Continue with your parlay. I, I, I see the Sixers. I see the Mavericks. Luka Doncic at home against the Cavs. No more to be said. I mean, is he the best player in the NBA right now? I, I say yes. I mean, he's top three in MVP. LeBron, Giannis, Doncic, take your pick. Starting franchise, Doncic or Giannis, take your pick. I mean, I think it's I think it's Giannis, but Doncic is uh he he's he's getting he's getting up there. So between those two teams, those are a good look. I don't see a line on the Jazz yet, but Jazz at home against the Warriors. Stick those three teams together, and hopefully we're getting somewhere in the in the in the lines of a minus one fifty or less. If so, that's a play in my book, Greg. Yeah, I mean it's it's always hard to knock those kinds of parlays and and really go out on a limb and say that a double-digit underdog is going to win outright. And just kind of on those kinds of plays, I'm I'm not as big of a fan because, yes, while the probability of it and while the juice at, you know, minus $1.30 or whatever, that might be no different than, you know, a one-unit play on uh, on a short favorite at home on the money line. But I guess my thing is I'd rather – just need one outcome to cash a ticket at standard juice or something like that. So that's just a personal preference for me. I don't really do those money line parlays, but it's hard to really sit here and say that, you know, any of those are, are, are definitively bad legs to include in the parlay. So wishing you nothing but the best. Uh, I want to just eye up a few spots that I'm looking at. First off, uh, I think that one line that struck me as a little high is the Detroit Pistons at home laying six against the Hawks. I like the road underdog Atlanta. Atlanta just gave... Now, Greg, can you explain why you think that's high? I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I just want to, you know, just to go into why you think it's... So, my think... And maybe it was, you know, Atlanta playing its heart out at home. But on Wednesday night, we did see the Hawks play a track meet against the Milwaukee Bucks. And 
lose by eight points, 135 to 127. So I'm not sure how indicative that game's going to be of what the Hawks are, are. But when you see youngsters like DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young combine for 52 points in that game, like that is their future, those two guys. And they bring in Jabari Parker in the offseason. He had 14 in that game. I just think that there's enough young pieces for Atlanta here to where they're going to play pretty hard on most nights, like that score indicated they did against Milwaukee. I didn't watch the game, but when I was looking at NBA scores from Wednesday night, I saw the Hawks in that kind of a game with Milwaukee, and I thought, oh, wow, like if they can score that much, like I feel pretty confident that they could stay within six points against the Detroit team that, you know, quite honestly, I mean, how much better are the Pistons than the than the Hawks? I mean, maybe a little bit, but, you know, right now you look at the standings and Detroit is 4-10 and 10 and so is Atlanta. So I guess from that uh, Greg, Greg, the one thing, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt I know, you. Blake Griffin has one thing, yeah, 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 just wanted, yeah, just wanted to put that yeah, out no, there, obviously. I'm of that, but, you know, at the same time, like coming into the year, I think it was logical to assume that Atlanta was maybe going to have a chance to crack the eight seed. And, and that's kind of where the Pistons were last year. And, you know, neither team, as I said, racking up a lot of wins. But again, it's just kind of a numbers play. I think the number is a little high. And so that answers your question, I hope, uh, and, and why I would look to play Atlanta plus the six. Uh, as Look, I don't, I don't think it hurts that the Pistons are 0-4 in their last four against the spread as well. So I appreciate that. I didn't know that, but that makes me feel even better about Atlanta on Friday night. And then I look at the Denver Nuggets at home. Kind of going back to the well here, we were both on Denver on Wednesday night against Boston. Boston's at the end of a long five-game road trip out west. Celtics are 2-2 two and two straight up and against the spread on this road trip. And just kind of a system thing that I look to do, uh, especially at the end of road trips, is to fade these teams uh, and... I kind of went in thinking that Boston was going to be a little expensive at times on this road trip, and I had the Warriors plus eight to start the road trip, and they covered for me against Boston. And then I had the Kings plus three against Boston on Sunday, and the Kings won that game outright. Uh, since then, Boston uh, covered against the Clippers as an underdog despite losing in overtime, and they picked up an outright win as a short dog against the Phoenix Suns. So they have done better against the spread the last couple games. But I kind of went into this five-game road trip with Boston, knowing that it had the best record in the NBA at the start of the road trip. And I kind of said to myself, all right, if you blindly fade the Celtics all five games, I think you're going to hit at least three of them against the spread. So far, if you were to do that, you'd be two and two. I think that you will get that third win tonight. Uh, or Friday night with the Denver Nuggets at home at the end of the trip for Boston. I would look to lay the four and a half with Denver. Yeah, I like Denver here at home. They've been playing good basketball. They really have, and that's not to say that the Celtics haven't. There's just something that I clearly have in attachment to playing Denver at home in the high yeah. altitude. And one uh, thing I mean, that I'll add on Denver at home in the high altitude, uh, probably the three biggest home games so far this year for Denver – uh, were the Houston game on Wednesday, uh, the Miami game, uh, which you know was a streaking Miami team at the time coming into the Mile High City, and then Philadelphia, and Denver won and covered all three games. So they seem to play Denver did not uh, cover against uh, Philadelphia, but they did win. They, but they did nonetheless come back from down they twenty points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, what was that? Five point spread, and they won by two. Five and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, they won right. by they won by three. Yeah, yeah. Close, close. So 3-0 straight up, 2-1 and one against the spread. Point being, uh, in these games, uh, Denver seems to really play with a lot of defensive energy. Streak Under like- all the way through, Greg, very interesting note. First quarter, first half, full game and second half, all three of those quote-unquote what you might say big games against teams that will most certainly be in the playoffs – they they won and and went under the whole way through. So like like you're saying, go on. But just an interesting note on the under there. No, right. It's it, I and I think it's totally correlated, right? I mean, Denver, a team that 100%. kind of prides itself on that home court advantage, which has been one of the better ones in the NBA. And in doing that, they normally will play pretty good defense, and uh, they get up for these games. And uh, you know, like I said, I, I also want to go ahead. 
I, I want to point something out. It's it's actually not really much of their well, not not much. It is their defense, but it's more so their pace of play, right? So why does Denver play these low-scoring games? It's because they score a lot in the half court. So what does that mean? It means they're not running and gunning. They're not pushing right. the ball. They're why? putting the ball up because in the air with five to shoot. Because their best player is Nikola Jokic, who takes about 15 seconds just to run up the damn court. So they got to wait till he's up there because their whole offense revolves around playing around, through, for, in the middle, in between, whatever the fuck you want to say, Nikola Jokic. So that's why, like you said, they tend to operate an offense that is shooting towards the end of the shot clock. They're also a very good offensive rebounding team, which means more possessions. So now all of a sudden it didn't take them 20 seconds to score a bucket. It took them 20 seconds to get a miss and then another 20 seconds to get a bucket. You know, that's four 40 seconds, excuse me, almost a minute gone with only a two point bucket. So that's really one of the reasons why we've seen Denver go under in many of these games, along with the fact that obviously the altitude is a slight factor for the road team, but their defense is good, but it's more so their offensive play style. And, And it's really just a tribute to the nuggets as an organization of how they built that team around Jokic. They really have a lot of good pieces around him. Boston's a great team. I expect a thrilling game, just like we saw between Boston and Clippers. But ultimately, I think Denver does win this game, and I do lean the under. Greg, one more huge game on the slate tonight. They ironically switched opponents, Rockets and Clippers. Are you are – you, do you got to play there, or are you just watching as a fan? What are you doing? As of now, I think I'm just watching as a fan – I would have the slightest of leans to the Rockets catching the five, but uh, probably not playing this game. Gotcha. You know, we obviously have to see if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to play again. I think it's also interesting to note to go back on that Nuggets game. Nuggets might have a little chip on their shoulder, right? They get the 9 p.m. game both nights. You know, they're not nationally televised. Meanwhile, here the Clippers are nationally televised against the Celtics, nationally televised against the Rockets. So everyone's getting their out of all four. Are you saying that that's an angle to look at for the Nuggets when they play the Clippers, or would you not consider that? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't dive too much into that. You know, these are NBA, these are NBA caliber players. I, I mean, they're NBA players. They're playing the basketball game. They're playing every single, every single game to win. You know, you go out and you play a pickup game of basketball with your buddies. You know, you're down 3-0. You're gonna, you, you play to win. They're all playing to win. So I don't love the fact of, oh, the Clippers get national. No, because it's more so really not about the teams. It's more about the markets. That's how we know national televising works. Sure. And one's going to sit here and try and tell yeah, me that. Yeah, guys, the Lakers were, on national TV plenty of the last five years. And on. before LeBron Denver, was there, they weren't any good. <laughs> Denver's nowhere near the size market of L.A. I'm just saying it's just ironic because – the Celtics had their chance at L.A. Now they go to Denver. And the Denver game is almost, quote-unquote, un- upstaged, you know, because then the Clippers game starts at 10.30. But obviously it doesn't even matter because you're only seeing the Denver game if you got league pass. And Denver will have their fair share of primetime games. But it, it just it just is what it is. If Denver was an East Coast team, put it this way, the Denver and Celtics would be on that 8 p.m. ESPN slot probably instead of the instead of the Spurs and Celtics. Uh, sure. six, excuse me. Yeah. But I lean Clippers and the under in this game. I see a very similar game that the Clippers played against the Celtics. I know they didn't cover the spread. Game went under. Hard fought. Defensive game. Grind it out till the end with two championship competitors. I'm excited for another great day of hoops tonight. And hopefully I won't be too drunk and I'll be able to catch some of the games. <laughs> Let's keep things moving and go to the College Gridiron where we will look at our plays for week 13 in college football now. And we're going to start with the biggest game on the schedule in week 13 of college football, and that is the Ohio State Buckeyes welcoming in the Penn State Nittany Lions. Ohio State is a hefty home favorite in this one, currently sitting at 18, 18 and a half point chalk, depending on where you look. The Buckeyes getting a lot of respect, rightfully so, given that they have been point-spread machines all season long. And, Matt, you've been benefiting on that quite a bit with their first-half lines. But I'll start off here by just saying I love Ohio State laying the big number. Uh, I'm not going to hesitate to do it. 
because I think this is a huge spot for Ohio State to make a statement to the rest of the Big Ten that not only are we a step above you, but we're three or four steps ahead of the rest to this conference right now because if Penn State is the closest competition to us and we're going to be laying 18 and a half points at home, if they cover this number, then that tells you all you need to know about the dominance of Ohio State in the Big Ten. Guess who's back on defense? Chase Young, probably the best best overall football player in college football. He returns from his suspension, and I think that the Buckeyes rally around that. And just quite honestly, I'm really not sure how good Penn State is. I think they're a little overrated going all the way back to early in the season when they played a sluggish first half against Buffalo, uh, really let Pitt hang around in the game, another non-conference game. Uh, The loss to Minnesota, I thought, said more about Penn State than it did Minnesota. Last week, Indiana was right there with Penn State. I think the Nittany Lions are in for a rude awakening heading to Columbus on Saturday. I'll lay the lumber and back the Buckeyes. And I know you're going to get into the first half a little bit, but I am certainly interested in the stack play as well. Greg, I'm going to give a moment of silence right now for the Ohio State first half streak. So let's just give one moment of silence. Okay, yeah, so we're back. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, you know, against, you know, not ridiculous. It's actually not really ironic that against the worst team in the Big Ten is the team that Ohio State does not cover the first half. You know, I predicted a 35 or a 42 nothing half, and we were damn near right there, right? I mean, it was 35-7, and that was all due to a muffed punt by Ohio State that Rutgers ended up cashing in for a touchdown. And Rutgers, I mean, Ohio State was also stopped on the goal line. So not only did they, Ohio State have the chance to, to win this half 35-0 by not allowing the touchdown, or not allowing the quote-unquote fluke touchdown, they also had the chance of punching in another touchdown, which they couldn't convert. It was, it was a real heartbreaking loss because Ohio State was literally scoring with such ease. I mean, the, the, the wide receivers were so open. It was, like, it, was, it was like practice out there for Justin Fields. Nonetheless, Rutgers hung around. And Rutgers actually covered the full game, first half and second half. So hats off to Rutgers. You guys and scored I know 21 you know, points that's in another a game. angle to like Ohio State for is like they were clearly in the second half just getting ready for this game, right? So like they, they've been looking ahead to this game, knowing that it was Rutgers like ready to unleash the dogs on the Nittany Lions. I think that over is a good look in this game. I'll obviously be playing the first half. And I think the full game is in play here. I, I, I would be for an injury, by the way, in this game to keep an eye on. Uh, Penn State wide receiver KJ Hamler, very explosive player. He may not play if, if he's not there for Penn State. Good luck. I agree. And, and Greg, one thing interesting to note is that ultimately, yes, I find it hard for Ohio State to jump LSU if they keep winning out. But how can they jump LSU if they don't? If neither team loses by they this won't. kind of performance, no, they, this is what they can do. They can win this game and they can run it up by four touchdowns, five touchdowns. Greg, if they win this game by 28 points, you're not telling me they don't jump LSU? Uh, assuming LSU runs the table and has the win over Georgia in the SEC championship, I don't think so. No, 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 I'm saying just for the next week. Oh, Ohio State's two, and LSU's one. If Ohio State wins by four touchdowns, are you going to put them well, at one next week? Yeah, it's possible, though. LSU's playing Arkansas, who they might beat by 60. So, Okay, back to my point. I'm not saying I would or wouldn't. That is the only way, though, for them 100%. to jump to number one. So this is not uh, 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 let's win you know, and go home. No, they want to run it up. They want to show their dominance against one of their rivals. Oh, by the way, at their last home game of the season, they will win this game by 24-plus. You can book it right now. So you're playing Ohio State first half, full game. What's your move? First half, full game, and the over. I like it all. Okay. Let's keep things moving. And uh, certainly a uh, much lower-profile game is one that Matt still likes, though. The Auburn Tigers hosting Samford on Saturday afternoon, 12 noon kickoff. Auburn is a 48.5-point favorite in this one. Total of 64 is what I'm seeing. And, you know, obviously next week is the big Iron Bowl class, so 
Matt, is that you like the under? Is that your reasoning, thinking that Auburn's not really going to look for really any kind of big, flashy offensive performance? I mean, if that's why you think I like the under, then clearly you have not watched the Sanford Bulldogs this year, my friend, because You're right, that, I have. <laughs> secondary, that secondary leads the nation in it. No, Greg, uh, of course. The reason why I'm playing this under and I'm playing Alabama under, I'm going to group this into a little two-liner here, sure. is because Alabama and Auburn just won this week over with, with no injuries. They want to get in. They want to get out. And they want to get to the big showdown next week. And and I expect both of Auburn and Alabama to get out to an early lead, get their starters out of the game, especially, especially after what we saw happen in the Alabama game last week. The second Bama goes up 21 points, 28 points, goodbye. The starters are done. You know, they, they, let's Great. be real. Auburn and Alabama can probably – this is no disrespect to the opposing schools, but can probably beat both these schools if they were to start their backups. So I don't see any reason why any starters will be playing in the second halves of either of these games, let alone if they will play even the entire first half. So I like the under in Alabama, and I like at 61, and I like the under in Auburn at 64 for the exact same reason. Let's keep things moving, and I'm going to go to the Big Ten, and I'll take a similar angle to what Matt just kind of did in the SEC with games with kind of an identical handicap. I'll do the same thing in the Big Ten West. I like both of the double-digit Big Ten West underdogs. I'll start with Northwestern plus 13.5, and then the other one is Purdue plus the 24.5. They are getting on the road against Wisconsin. This is real simple for me. Big Ten West is decided next week in Minneapolis between the Gophers and the Wisconsin Badgers. Huge rivalry game between both teams. And there is no reason for either one of these teams to win by the margin that they're laying in these games, especially for Minnesota on the road. Tanner Morgan, the quarterback for Minnesota, is a 50-50 game time call. And Minnesota is not in the spot where they need significant margin. Neither is Wisconsin. Both these teams are just looking to win the West, which means beating the each other next week and trying to take on Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. So there isn't a whole lot of reason for me to believe that they have motivation to win by the appropriate margin to cover these point spreads. Then I look at Purdue and I look at Northwestern. Both of those schools have not had the seasons that they would have liked, especially Northwestern having won the Big Ten West last year. Uh, Purdue, there was some buzz around Jeff Brom and his third year, maybe being the year where the Boilermakers could turn the corner. Never quite got going. However, Purdue has won back-to-back games. Looks like they are peaking later, which is you know better late than never. Uh, and, and so I think both of these schools, too much pride, especially with Northwestern, as I said, having played for the Big Ten title, I think they will get up for these games and have enough to cover the large numbers. So Northwestern plus 13.5 and, and Purdue plus 24.5, a couple of likes for me. So then I want to go to the Big Ten East, where we have another spot with a favorite laying a big number in this case, on the road with Michigan with a rivalry game on deck. Just talked about Minnesota and Wisconsin, big rivalry in the Big Ten West. Oh, well, guess what next week is? It's Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan, as poorly as they played early in the season, quietly got things together to the point where that game looks like it will still have a lot of buzz and will be worth watching next week against Ohio State. All of that said, this is an Indiana team that plays hard. They play aggressive, they're physical, and there's a lot going for the Hoosiers right now. Matt, I know you're a, you're an alum of the school. They played Penn State very tight all week and or all game, and we had I had Indiana last week, and now we get Indiana at home here against a Michigan team that, as I said, is playing better, but are they playing well enough to cover nine and a half on the road against Indiana, a team that seems to be peaking right now and really is up to whatever task is in front of them. I don't think so. I really like Indiana to cover this nine and a half. This is my favorite play of the college football card. I think this game is going to be competitive all the way. Indiana gets really up for this game. 
Michigan, little bit of a look ahead uh, with Ohio State on deck. I like the Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean, Greg, look, anytime you're going to back my alma mater, I, I can't really say anything wrong about it unless I'm truly betting the other side. And I'm damn sure not betting Michigan on the road here with not much to play for. I mean, look, like, this really would be a huge win for Indiana. I mean, they would move to 8-3. and three. Craig, I mean, I don't know the history. I guess I probably should. But when was the last time that Indiana finished with a better record than Michigan in football? Well, how about when was the last time Indiana beat Michigan? Yeah, I mean, that too. I mean, look. I mean, <laughs> right. look so, I mean, this is a, this is a huge game. I, I'm not going to say it doesn't mean anything to Michigan. But if I had to guess a gun to my head, which team does it mean more for? I, you know, I, I, I don't like placing a bet strictly on that ever, nor would I. But – this game's got to be more to Indiana, in my opinion, um, and I and I don't hate anything that you said. They've been playing good football. They just played a, a Penn State team on the road, really, right. really tough. And and by really tough, you know, there's a lot of games where the score doesn't show how close the game is. That score does show how close the game is. You know, that game was back and forth the entire way. Penn State really had to pull that one out, and they were in jeopardy of losing that game. So I, I don't hate it at all. But let's move on, and I yeah, am actually going to take, take us. Well. Yeah, so from the Big Ten, we add two. I'm pretty sure that's how the math works, and we go to the Big 12. And I'm going to Baylor, right? Baylor Bears at home against the Texas Longhorns. We know Baylor's coming off of their first loss of the season. And let me tell you what a hell of a game that was against Oklahoma. I saw the fight. I saw the competitiveness. And everything I've seen from Baylor all year, in that game, in that game, I don't see how Baylor does not come back at home and respond against a depleted, deflated, underachieving, frankly embarrassing Texas Longhorns team. Give me Baylor minus six. They win this game by at least a touchdown, maybe by double digits. I'll, I'll play the minus six. Yeah, I guess my only thing here, I pass this game, Matt, no concern at all for like a potential flat spot for Baylor with the way that game ended against Oklahoma? No, I think it's more so um, the opposite. I think it's a come home, let's show that this season is not an absolute fluke or a joke, right? Sure. They yeah. were 9-0 and and trying to make their case for if they were an undefeated Big 12 champion, could they make the college football playoffs? They lost. And now they can still get to the Big 12 championship. Exactly. Not only that. And, 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 you know, what would a loss in this game do? It's like, oh, well, okay. Well, so Baylor was seven and oh, they beat this team, this team. Oh, and all of a sudden they play Oklahoma, they lose. Oh, and they play Texas. Oh, they lose. So, you know, two other competitive teams in the Big 12, then they lose back that game. No, this is a come home, get up, get hungry, uh, revamp Baylor team, revamp their name against a depleted Texas team, win by a touchdown or more. One more college football handicap from each of us. I'll start. Uh, the ABC primetime game is where I'm going to. Uh, in Tempe, Arizona, I like the two-touchdown home dog. The Arizona State Sun Devils plus the 14 against the Oregon Ducks. I do anticipate we are still going to see one loss Oregon versus one loss Utah in the Pac-12 championship. However, I think that one of these schools, maybe both, is going to have to survive there's going to be one of those games where they don't have it and it is like a c effort and they just have to live to see another week in the top six top seven in the rankings when they inch closer to that big showdown which everybody would love to see in the pac-12 championship i think this is the week that oregon has to just survive and i'm taking the 14 points herm edwards has that arizona state program trending in the right direction Arizona State won outright as a double-digit dog earlier in the non-conference part of the schedule against the Michigan State Spartans. And you look at the Arizona State schedule. They don't lose by this kind of margin in all of their games other than a loss to Utah. Arizona State has been either winning or the losses have been less by this margin. So my point being here, yes, I understand Utah 
was the best team that they played before Oregon, and they lost by 18 at Utah. But now they get this game at home. This is a big opportunity for an Arizona State program to kind of make a statement here, right? I mean, they're 5-5. Five and five. They still need one more win to get bowl eligibility. And I just am buying what Herm Edwards has been selling there in Tempe. I think this game is going to be pretty competitive. And like I said, there's going to be a game where Oregon kind of or and Utah kind of just has to survive and advance with. And I think this is it for Oregon. I like Arizona State. Yeah, Greg, I, I like this play as well. I think I think your head's all right with with this side, and and I think this is I think this is definitely a good play. Something that comes Saturday, I could potentially be getting down on as well. So take us home now, and you're going to go back to the SEC. You like the Volunteers. Yeah, I like the volunteers here. Don't understand the line so much here. You know, maybe this is a this is a typically a one where I would look to, you know, think that someone is outsmarting me and look the other end, but I just don't see it. Missouri four straight losses, 0-5 against the spread in the last five. Flip the script. Tennessee four out of four has won four out of the last five games. Oh yeah, one of those losses came at Alabama, so we can throw that out the window because obviously they were not winning at Alabama. Nonetheless, they are 5-0 and against the spread in the last five. Been playing great defense. They've went under four of the last four. Missouri has went under four of the last four. Give me Tennessee and the under in this game. I think we see a very similar game to the game style that these two have been playing as of recent, and that's Tennessee plus four and under 45 and a half. And I will be sprinkling on the money line at plus 160. Yeah, I don't hate to play at all. We, I was on uh, Missouri last week, and unfortunately, uh, Florida wins and covers. And yeah, I mean, Missouri seems to be an offensively challenged team. So not only do you want to play unders with those kinds of teams, but you do like to go under the total as well. And it is probably a wise investment. So I like both of those plays uh, and, and that does it for our college football handicaps. We'll take a break and get into the National Football League on the other side. The holidays are almost here. And you know what that means? Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift to give your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. I've had some frustration shirt shopping before, and then I discovered Untuck It, and everything took care of itself. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Untuck It fits my frame, so why can't it fit yours? You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're just shopping for the perfect holiday gift or trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and use the promo code BLUE for 20% off. That brings us back on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank at Undercover Greg, Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers is where you can find our gambling picks on Twitter. Let's go to the National Football League. Week 12 already feels weird to say, but Matt, this is where we are, and you are going back to the well with a team that got you the money last week, albeit the conversation after the game for the Browns was not about their win in typical Browns fashion, but you do like them in the first half against Miami. Tell us why. I mean, Greg, did I tell you enough about the Browns? You did. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. tip I mean, you, you got me on that one. Nothing I can say. 
you know, and it's not a got you. I got the books. You know, okay. it's not you versus me. I apo- I apologize Understood. for your Steelers loss. But I said by the Browns when I spoke about them against the Bills. We bought them. I said by the Browns. Nothing changes. They're at home against the Dolphins here. They are 2-0. Put a button on this November. Win a third straight home game before you then travel to the Steel City, Pittsburgh, and you play play the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? That game doesn't matter if you don't take care of business here, just like how we talk about in college football. So you're not worried at all about the Miles Garrett stuff being a distraction? I'll tell you why I'm not worried about the Miles Garrett stuff being a distraction, because frankly, you, Greg, how many guys are in an NFL locker room? Do you know? 53. 53, right? I truly, truly think that Miles Garrett stands on one side and 52 other players stand on the other. I think, every, I think every single other player in the NFL, and let me clarify, that doesn't mean that they don't have their own teammates back, but I think they understand what he did was wrong. Not only do I think that, I know that Baker Mayfield said that in the post-game interview. Everyone, whoever has watched a game of football or played a game of football or even has a brain, understands what Miles Garrett did was wrong. I think it's absolutely no distraction. Now, is it a big loss? Of course it is. It's their best defensive player. But against the Miami Dolphins, I don't think it hurts them. And I think it hurts them next game when I'll be all over with you, the Steelers, plus three in that revenge game with no Miles Garrett. That's for damn sure. I will be looking at the Steelers next week. But nonetheless, I look for the Browns to take care of business this week still. And, and while it's only at six and a half before it moves up to seven, I'm grabbing that because I can easily see the Browns up exactly a touchdown and a half, if not more. But I'd be shocked if they're up by anything less than a touchdown. Give me the Browns minus six and a half in the first half at home. By the way, they have covered the first half in the past two games that they won as well at home. So I don't see anything changing against a, a worse opponent. You know, they, the, the Dolphins are clearly worse than the Bills and the Steelers. I just hope you're right and we get Pittsburgh catching three at home in the rematch next week. That would be a lot of fun. And I would love, I will certainly double dip on Pittsburgh if that's the case. But, you know, that's for a conversation for another day. Pittsburgh's got to take care of Cincinnati. I want to go to the East Coast, uh, MetLife Stadium, where the New York Jets are going to welcome in the Oakland Raiders. I love the Jets here. I bet them at plus three. We're seeing a New York Jets team begin to believe in themselves begin to just relax and play and there are good football players on the Jets while their record is bad there is some talent there and it looks like the statement that Christopher Johnson made about Woody Woody I'm sorry about uh, Adam Gase coming back seems to have had a nice positive impact on the team right because now when you know your coach is coming back you can't lollygag you can't just say, oh, I don't need to prove anything because the coach is on his way out the door. No, 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 no. You need to prove that you need to be on this roster in 2020. So I think that has lent itself towards the Jets being some a nice value play. I had a max winner on the Jets last week against the Washington Redskins. I thought that was one of the worst lines I've seen all season. Washington laying points. That was pathetic. So I look at the Jets here as a team that's trending in the right direction. Flat spot potential here for Oakland with the big game on deck next week in the AFC West against the Kansas City Chiefs. And we've seen Oakland play down to competition before. We just saw last week Oakland did not cover the big number at home against Cincinnati. A little bit of a flat spot for Oakland. The Jets have been there, done that with their flat spots. They're getting up for every game, it looks like. I like the Jets plus the three. I think they can win the game. Uh, Greg, full agreement here. I'm taking the Jets plus three. I'm taking the Jets on the money line as well. Sam Darnold, um, you know. Starting to play a little bit better. He's, I mean, look, play a little better or was he a little rusty because he was out and he was sick and his team was depleted? You can go both ways. I I don't think this Oakland Raiders team is as good as their record, you know, states. They've, let's just discuss who they've beaten uh, in the past three games when they've since were three and four, now they're six and four. They've beaten the Cincinnati Bengals. They beat the Detroit Lions and they beat the San Diego Chargers. So all three teams have losing records. You know, that's not taking anything away from the Raiders at all. And you can flip the script and say, well, the Jets just beat the Redskins and the Giants. 
That's fine. Nonetheless, I think this Jets defense is a little better than the Raiders defense, and I think Derek Carr will struggle a bit more than Sam Darner will, and I, I do like the Jets plus three and on, and on the money line. And I'll certainly look at the money line as well. I just like grabbing that key of three the way I did earlier in the week. Let's go to a divisional game between two teams in the NFC South, Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Matt, you like a side. Which way are you going? Yeah, you got to give me the Falcons here. Um, I mean, I mean, you can call this a, bl- a blind fade of Tampa Bay if you, I guess, really wanted to. Um, I mean, I'm, that's that's not how I'm playing it. But, I mean, Greg, what, do you know when the last time Tampa Bay covered a spread? Ooh, uh, I'm going to guess it's been at least a month. Uh, yeah, Greg, try, 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 try again. Uh, six weeks. Yeah, Greg, try one more time. All right, let's try two months. Greg, uh, uh, yeah, so they haven't covered the spread since they put up 55 points against the Rams. Wow. That game took place on September 29th. Yeah, so basically two months. Because this will be November twenty fourth. Uh, this game's played. Yeah, yeah. So wow. damn, damn near two months, seven weeks, uh, six games, and their bye week. They didn't even cover their spread on their fucking bye week, Greg. <laughs> That's how pathetic they've been. So, uh, I mean, Jameis Winston, like, look, you know, yeah, he must think. I, I, I would love to be one of Jameis Winston's like, like homeboys. I wonder if he's sending screenshots to them, like, yo, look, boys, I lead. I'm, I'm, I'm second in the league in passing yards. And my 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 receivers good Godwin Godwin and Evans are are two and three in receiving yards. Cool. It, it means absolutely nothing. That just means that he throws the ball sixty yards down the field and then throws a turnover when he's in the red zone. Because Jameis Winston is absolutely fucking pathetic. Put the two words together: fucking and pathetic. Fucking pathetic. That's what he is. He's awful. Give me the Falcons and and let me tell you something. The Falcons, they actually have been one of the best teams in the NFL over the last two weeks. Let me repeat that. No, I one agree with of the you. best teams in the NFL over the last two weeks. And is that ironic? I don't think so because those two games are after their bye week. So clearly they have made bye week adjustments. Not only have they made bye week adjustments. And both of those yet. games, Matt, divisional games. Both divisional games on the road didn't allow a touchdown and one of them was to what we thought at that point was one of the best. I mean, they still are the, one of the best teams in the NFL, the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Two teams winning records. Falcons went on the road, dropped 26 and 29 and absolutely shut down the Saints and shut down the Falcons. I mean, excuse me, shut down the Panthers. I don't understand why the Falcons can't come at home and do the same thing. And let me tell you, if they come at home and they end this streak, for the Tampa Bay Bucks of covering the spread and lose outright to the Tampa Bay Bucks, then yeah, Dan Quinn, I'm sorry. This will probably be your last season. But Dan Quinn, you actually have a chance at saving your season because keep this shit up and, and who knows, who knows what that NFC wild card, you know, picture is looking like. I'm not saying they're going to make it. I'm not saying I think so. Because, you know, we got the Seahawks and the Vikings sitting there at 8-2 and two and 8-3 and three and the Packers at 8-2 and two and, and the Niners at 9-1, and one, right? So, obviously, the, the wild card is probably a little out of their stretch. But could they potentially resurrect this season and, you know, finish somewhere in the lines of 8-8 of eight and eight and go 500? Now, I mean, 5-1 and one the rest of the way is a tall task, but... Why not? Why not us, they should say. Yeah, so, I, like, just... I like exactly all angles here that you're coming from. I already bet Atlanta earlier in the week. I'll be on this as well. Uh, you think about the rest of their schedule, and yeah, they play Tampa, chance for a third straight divisional win. This would get them to 4-7. and seven. And you look at some of the other games that they have. They, they're going to play Carolina at home. They already clobbered Carolina on the road. They're going to play Jacksonville at home late in the season. Jacksonville might be out of it. They're going to play Tampa again. Uh, you know, so it's really two games on the Atlanta schedule that we're looking at. And when you're saying 8-8, eight and eight, they get the Saints at home on Thanksgiving next week for a fourth 
straight divisional game for Atlanta. And, you know, you think about maybe that's a rejuvenated home crowd primetime game now if Atlanta wins again against Tampa like we think they will. And then the other hard game for Atlanta, they got to travel to San Francisco. So if they can get one of those games and finish 8-8, eight and eight, Maybe it's not enough to save Dan Quinn's job. Maybe Arthur Blank, the owner in Atlanta, is just too nice of a guy to fire a coach midseason. But it does seem like they are playing hard for him now. And and that was the big concern with Atlanta was that were, were they going to quit? And it doesn't look like they have. And if that's the case, then you can start to trust some of their talent that we thought was going to have them in the playoff mix begin to show up again. So I'm with you. Agreement, Falcons. Let's move forward and go to the Windy City where uh, I – like the New York Giants on the road already gave out uh, the uh, well actually one thing I'm looking at just blindly this week is some teams off of buys and one of those teams is the Giants out of a buy catching close to a touchdown I've got them at six and a half against the Bears the Bears I mean can they even score six and a half points like I don't care if it's Trubisky or if it's Chase Daniel, I just don't trust their offense at all whatsoever. I know their defense is still worth respecting, but give me the Giants to have some schemes out of the bye to get the ball in the hands of Saquon Barkley, in the hands of Evan Ingram, whoever it may be. I think they're going to score enough to cover this number. Ugly game. Don't recommend watching it. I think it ends somewhere in the neighborhood of 14-13, 17-14. Don't even know who wins. I'm just taking the points with the Giants. Yeah, I don't really hate that angle. Um, You know, I mean, the Bears are absolutely pathetic. Um, The Giants are also bad. But even though if there was ever a 2-8 team that's better than a 4-6 team, it's probably this New York Giants (laughs) team against against this 4-8 Bears team. And and 4-6 Bears team. And you know what's kind of funny? If you look at their four wins, right, the one against Denver game field goal, right? And then one came against the Redskins. So we know the Redskins are absolutely pathetic. And then another, they had a game-winning, uh, what, what was it? They had another game-winning field goal in another game, uh, I believe, or a game-icing field goal. So, you know, two out of their four wins have come down to game-winning yeah, field that's, goals. Yeah, and that Denver game was, you, you know what, I mean, that was pathetic, that roughing the passer call on Denver. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, um, I understand the Bears defense really shut down that Vikings team, but let me assure you, Greg, that when the Chicago Bears travel to Minnesota on Sunday, the no uh, December 29th, that final score is not going to be sixteen to six Bears like it was back in the end of September. It's going to be a big different score because Kirk Cousins and those Minnesota Vikings are playing. Hell of a lot different football. So I'm not going to say that their four wins have been fluky, but let's be real. If this Bears team was sitting at two and eight, I don't think that would be shocking to anyone. Let's wrap things up. We got a few more games to get to. Uh, You like the Denver Broncos as a road underdog against Buffalo. Take us through the handicap. Yeah, give me Denver Broncos here and give it to me large. Um, This, like, you know, I mean, Denver's not that good, but. This damn near might end up being a max play for me, Greg. I mean, they've 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 covered four, five out of the last six games. Denver has, you know, they hung around that uh that game. Uh, excuse me, not hung around. They let the Vikings hang around towards the end of that game and end up winning. Otherwise, they would have ended up winning that game outright as a as a ten point. Sure, yeah, it's a ten point dog, and I mean they had three chances at the goal line to score a touchdown to win that game. So. They were right there. This Buffalo Bills team is put this on record. This Buffalo Bills team is the absolute fakest seven and three team ten games into the NFL season we have ever seen ever ever. It's ridiculous. I really hope they somehow make the playoffs because I just want to see them get absolutely rocked. Unless somehow they had a favorable matchup, but their wins are just pathetic. Like they 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 beat the Redskins. They beat the Dolphins. You know. They beat the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, they beat the Dolphins twice, the Redskins, the Titans. So there's four of their seven. And then Bengals. the Bengals yeah. and the Giants and the Jets. So what am I looking at here? They've they've been a team that has zero wins. What's the, the combined record of those teams is, is, is absurd. The only – they haven't been a worse team in the NFL. 
They have only been the bottom four teams in the NFL. Isn't that amazing? The only team have three wins that they haven't beaten, because now the Jets do have three wins, or so they it will be Denver if they do beat Denver, right? And then there's two other three three win teams. But every other team they've beaten has either zero, one, or two wins. Like they've beaten only the four or five teams. I don't. I think it's. I have to keep repeating it because it's actually just ridiculous that this Bills Mafia thinks they actually have a good team. You know they're not good. Give me Denver plus four. Give me Denver outright on the money line at plus one seventy. I'm playing it for. At least two units on the spread and probably one unit on the money line. That's a three-unit max play right there, potentially, in my book. But you can put two units on that plus four for sure. Lock that in. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, as a Cortland Sutton fantasy owner, just get him the ball enough and I'll be happy. Uh, guy's a beast, and I've, I've liked him a lot dating back to uh, his time in college at SMU. I want to wrap things up with my final handicap. Then Matt has two more picks, one of which I will agree with as a consensus play, but I, uh, another team out of a buy that I'm going to buy, uh, no, no pun intended is the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to lay the field goal to back the Titans at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What did we see happen to the Jags last week against Indianapolis? They got shredded on the ground. Marlon Mack and Jonathan Williams both had 100 yard games for Indianapolis. And what does Tennessee do? They run, run, run Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, and more. Derrick Henry, the less that Ryan Tannehill has to do, the better off the Tennessee Titans are going to be. Another team, they don't make it pretty, and they don't wow you, and you never want to watch them each week, but there they are in the playoff picture in December. It happens every year, and it's going to happen again this year. Titans, lay the three. Tighten up, baby. I like the Titans to win this game by 10 points over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think are going to start fading pretty quickly in the AFC South. Yeah, Greg, I like this play a lot. I, I the Titans are one of the best, if not, I, I have I don't have the rankings in front of me. I apologize. One of the, I mean, they're a top five red zone scoring team in the NFL offensively, and the Jaguars, Greg, they are a bottom five defensive uh, team at allowing touchdowns in the red zone. So, yeah, if the Titans get in the red zone, look for them to score a touchdown. Probably punching in via Derrick Henry. So if you have Derrick Henry in your fantasy, I would start him. And if you're a daily fantasy player, Derrick Henry, get him in your lineups, ladies and gentlemen. Another team off a bye is the Green Bay Packers, a three-point road dog against the San Francisco 49ers, total of 47.5 in the Bay Area. Aaron Rodgers going back to his neck of the woods in California. Matt, you like the Packers. I agree with you, but I'll let you take the wheel here on Green Bay. Yeah, so this game was flexed to the Sunday night football game. They moved the Seahawks and Eagles to 1 p.m., obviously putting this, even though I think that's still going to be a great game, and, you know, being an Eagles fan as well, it's a huge game for the Eagles season and important game for the Seahawks as well as they're in a neck-and-neck race for not only which wild card seed they the get, number one but also, in the for, NFC. Also, also for the division and for the number one seed in the NFC and for MVP Russell Wilson. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in that game. So surprising. But at the end of the day, you have a clash of the actual two division leaders, the Green Bay Packers at 8-2 and, and the Niners at 9-1, and one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with pretty boy Jimmy G. But this is all pack show. Give me the Packers plus three here. This is an Aaron Rodgers game. This is Aaron Rodgers takes his stamp and stamps the game and says, I'm winning this game. And I truly think this game comes down to an Aaron Rodgers game-winning drive and or setting up a, a game-winning field goal. I'm taking the plus three. And personally, I do think they went out right. I will be playing the money line. We've seen this Niners team struggle ever since putting up 51 to the Panthers. Now, they did play the Cardinals twice. So can you say, did they struggle for three games or did they really struggle for two games because they played the same opponent twice? I say they struggled for three games. Just because you play the Cardinals twice doesn't mean you can't beat them well, on the they also game. lost that Thursday night game in Phoenix, too. I mean, Arizona played them real tight that game. And the game in San Francisco, they were down 16 nothing. Yeah, yeah. So they almost lost both both games, not just one. They almost lost right. both. They then did lose the Seahawks to the, uh, to the Seahawks when they definitely had a plethora of chances to win that game. So we've seen them go from, you know, dominant steamroller to now 2-1 and one in their last two and 0-3 in, in their last three against the spread, and 1-4 in, in their last 
four against the spread. So they haven't been steamrolling the teams. Packers on the flip side, four and one in their last five, have covered three out of the last four games. The only one was when they laid a goose egg to the Chargers where, you know, I can't give a team a pass ever because it's the NFL, but you got to understand these guys go out and they play 16 games. They're going to have Packers, no matter how good you think the Packers are or how bad you think they are, they're going to have games like against the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I mean the Chargers. The Chargers just caught them at the right time. The Chargers just won that game. Packers came off a big Sunday night road win at Chiefs. They traveled. They played Chargers back-to-back road game. And and they lost. They lost. And they come out of home. And they come back at home the following week to take care of business against Carolina. This Packers team will come in motivated determined and ready and oh yeah like you said when i mean if and when they win this football game they are then moving right into the number one seed in the nfc so this is a huge game and they understand the implications and they also understand that if they lose this game not only do they lose this game with with the vikings um on a, on a, on a, on a bye week this week, then they're in a tight race for the division. So all of a sudden a win in this game goes from being one in number one, seed in the NFC and a loss goes from potentially now you're in the wild card down the road. So even though it's week 12 and we still have five more weeks to go after this, this is a huge game for the green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and, 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 and they're going to walk in and they're going to walk out with the W you can book it. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree on this. Again, you give Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur extra time to prepare, I think they'll benefit and come ready uh, for whatever Kyle Shanahan has thrown at them. I, I also would look over the total in that case, though, because you got two offensive-minded coaches. We've seen the genius that is Kyle Shanahan probably on his way to NFL Coach of the Year. We'll see about that, but he would be my pick if the season ended today. So I would look uh, at the Packers, and I would also – Look to play the game over the total. Lastly, uh, let's go backtrack to Foxborough. Uh, you're looking at the Cowboys team total, Matt, for one final play. Yeah, Greg, I don't ever really play. You know, not ever. I would never play a, a play strictly based off of the of, of a you know what someone might call a sketchy or an interesting line. But this line is definitely interesting. This team total line for the for the Dallas Cowboys. We understand the Dallas Cowboys probably have a top three offense in the league, and we understand the Patriots have, have a top defense in the league, right? I don't want to tell you. I want to ask you, how many times do you think the Cowboys have scored under 21 points a season? I'll say three. Yeah, so one time. They've only scored wow. under 21 points one time this season. That's when they traveled on the road and they played Sunday night football in the Superdome, and Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints won that game 12 to 10. It was a very low scoring game. So here we are, you know, out of 10 games, they've went over 21 nine times. Now we have a team total sitting at 19 and a half for the Cowboys. A little bit interesting of a line there. I like under 19 and a half team total for the Cowboys. I also like under for the full game. I see damn near a carbon copy of what we saw the Patriots play last week where they won that game against the Eagles 17-10. I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, something like a a, a 24 to 17 Patriots win, a 24-14 win, something in those ballparks. I'm not playing the Patriots on the spread cuz I do think the Cowboys could keep it close. I think this could be a close, low-scoring game. And I think if you if you if you got in a little too late and you missed the seven, there is definitely no value on the Cowboys at six. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the angles you're looking at here. Uh, the New England defense has just been so dominant, and you think about why the Cowboys have been scoring so much. It's actually been more due to Dak Prescott and the season he's having uh, and hitting his receivers, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb, seemingly whenever he wants to. I think uh, this has got to be the game where Dallas tries to get Zeke going and try and have some longer drives if they are to score at all, uh, which would also lend itself towards the team total under. So uh, I, I do buy a lot of what you're selling there with the Cowboys team total under 
19 and a half. But that's going to wrap things up for us here on Full Slate. Matt, always fun. We will see how our schedules line up. Hopefully we can get one in before Thanksgiving. We'll just have to see how everything plays itself out. But uh, I enjoyed another one with you, as always. So Yeah, yeah, some great games this weekend. But I don't have a play on it yet. But again, I'm also excited to see that Rams uh, and Baltimore game because, you know, the Rams – are, are a very, very interesting team. Haven't been playing the best football, yet they only find themselves a game and a half out of the wild card, sitting at six and four with the Vikings on the bye at eight and three. So if the Rams pick up can pick up a huge upset win against the Ravens, they'll move to seven and four. And they'll only be one game behind that Minnesota Vikings team for the wild card, Greg. Do you, you know, before we close this out, do you think the Rams or a playoff threat? Uh, no, I don't. I, I just so they're Garrett, missing the playoffs. It's terrible. I'm sorry. And so they're missing the playoffs. I yeah, they're missing the playoffs. Okay, fair enough. Very interesting point. I agree. They miss the playoffs if they lose to the Ravens. If they win the Ravens, who knows? Maybe that sparks something fun, and 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 we see Sean McVay and the boys go for a ride. I hope not though, because I'm sitting on an under ten and a half ticket, and I know so are you. Yes, sir. That'll wrap things up for us, Matt. Always fun. Have a good one. All right. We'll take care. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Hopefully tail our picks and we all win. But most importantly, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.